In this series, post-true faith in a post-truth world, we've been talking about spirituality not rooted in a biblically informed, orthodox, transcendent truth, but rather personal perceptions, emotions, and experiences. Today, people define their spiritual vitality based upon those things, based upon their personal perceptions. Do I feel um, do, does my heart tell me that I'm, I'm good or this is right or true? Or have I experienced that to be true? And so if it doesn't measure up with our perceptions, our view of how we view things, our, our feelings and our perceptions, well, then we might say it's not true. So we trust those things that really are tainted by sin and fallen and, and deceptive more than we do God's revealed word. And that's one of the problems with humanity. And so... Uh, people, the, post-truth spirituality is formed by a per- preferred, right here, preferred and self-determined reality one wishes to be true in place of a supernaturally revealed and authenticated uh, concepts and facts one knows to be true. And so that's that's the challenge of people today. Now, First John is challenging. It's a letter written to some believers that were dealing with a group of people like the people we deal with today, like people in our culture that had a similar to the post-truth spirituality, they had a what was called Gnosticism. Gnosis, Gnosis is the word for knowledge, Greek word for knowledge. And so there was two errors that they believed, lots of things that there were errors, but two specific things regarding sin that I want to just note for you. So one of the things that the Gnostics believed is that their um, their Gnosis, their deeper knowledge, made them... Perfect, that is perfect is the word there, and void of sin. Their gnosis, their knowledge, their deeper knowledge, made them basically, they had this deeper knowledge, so they really were, were perfect because they're deeper knowledge. And so they were, there's really no sin in them. What they did didn't matter because they had this deeper knowledge. So, you know, a lot of people are so preoccupied and obsessed and worried about, did I do this? Did I not do this? Did I do this? Did I not? Did I do this right? Did I do that? And they're saying, look, why do you waste your time with that? Man, we've got this deeper knowledge that we have found of, of this spiritual state of who we really are. They thought that their deeper knowledge made them perfect and void of sin. The, the second error, which almost contradicts the first, which is one of the problems with uh, worldly wisdom. I would encourage you, whatever belief system you're going to attach your life to, you ought to think through the end results and the logical conclusions of the trajectory of, of when I line up the points of where this thing is headed, what is the conclusion? What is, where is this going to lead me? The second part is that those who have been spiritually enlightened are not affected by sin of their bodies and flesh. So, so on one side, they're like, man, we're so spiritual that sin doesn't matter anymore. It's not even a, we don't even talk in those categories. The flip side of that is that they, having been enlightened, they're saying that it doesn't affect them anymore. So, you know, once that doesn't really matter because we're perfect because of our knowledge, our knowledge defines us as perfect. And the other one is saying it really doesn't even matter physically what you do. And that's the way people think today. You say, well, how so? Well, people think if you just believe, right, if you just if you just love God, I mean, if you just love God and you, you know, you, you believe in God, then you're good. It really doesn't matter what you do, don't do. The, the actions in your life are not relevant. 
You just got God's going to look at you and he's going to know that you I mean, you sincerely you have a sincere desire to, to know him and to, to to be a good person. As long as you're a good person and, you know, you you recycle, you take care of the environment and you do nice things for people and you um, use trade free coffee and water that to build wells in other place, which I think is good. If you wear Tom's shoes, um, you know, when you buy shoes, you buy a pair for somebody else. And if you, you're just a good, you're a good person, you're a nice, you're a good person, then you're, you're fine. The other stuff you do doesn't really, doesn't really matter because God doesn't, I mean, he, he knows your heart. Okay. It's a little dangerous. I, I'm not judging people outside the church here, by the way. I'm talking about us that profess to know Christ. Let's just, we, we think these things. And so the two errors that we believe today often, two dangerous but common errors of today are number one, to be blind to sin and deny its existence. Some people are like, well, sin, schmin, I mean, it doesn't really, whatever. And we, we deny it. It's really not a big deal. Yeah, people do what they do, but I'm, we're born this way. We're born sinful. We're born fallen. Okay. You know, God is, God's powerful and whatever. And he's the one who let us be born this way. So it's his fault. Sin exists, but you know, it doesn't really matter. So, you know, we kind of live as if we're denying its existence. The second one is to be indifferent towards sin and deny its seriousness. So the first one is like, sin's really not even, that's just an arbitrary category. Who says what's right, what's wrong? And the other one is to say, well, it's really not that big of a deal. That's what people think. Would you agree with that? I think we all would agree with that. That, that is two realities. So what's the truth about sin that we find in First John? Well, those who deny their sins, that there is sin, those who deny their own sin are liars, according to First John 1, 8, and those who dismiss their sin According to 1 John 3, verse 10, which we're going to look at in a second, we looked at a couple weeks ago, they are children of the devil, according to 1 John 3, verse 10. So evidently, God says sin is a big deal. It is a big deal. And so sin is not inconsequential. Okay, it's, it's, but these people, they, they dismiss their sin. Some people dismiss sin, say it's, well, it's not a big deal. Um, and it's allowable because Jesus has paid for our sins. And so it kind of gives us a permanent pass. Now, now let me make something clear. Cause if you're, if you're not been around cross life for a long time, then you, you know, I, I don't know what your impressions are of the first John series. But if you've been around cross life for a while, one of the things we talk about a lot is that we want to be, we believe, uh, and we are, one of our core values is that we are a gospel-centered church, which is to say that Jesus in the gospel, the truth about Jesus is not just the way we get into the kingdom of God or begin a relationship with Christ, but it is also how we grow. And so we are a, a people that likes to talk a lot about, it's not about your moralism. We're not trying to preach to people. You just need to be better. You need to love more. You need to work harder. You need to you, you know, you need to do this, you need to do that. If you just read your Bible and pray and work harder and serve and do this and whatever, then you would be better. But the problem with your life is you're not obeying God. Okay, that's not a message we preach here. We, what we preach is uh, the, the problem with our lives is that we're not believing God. And we need to repent of our sin and believe the gospel. And so when I'm talking about sin here, I'm not talking about you need to be more moral and you need to leave this place and love people rightly and be a good person like you should be as a Christian. That is not what I'm preaching. But but the, 
gospel is true and Jesus has saved us and Jesus empowers us to live a life we can't live by ourselves. That is true. But what is also true is if you legitimately have a relationship with Christ, please hear me, if you legitimately have a relationship with Christ, there will be evidence of that in your life with personal holiness, with supernatural love, with a life of obedience that evidences and legitimizes and authenticates the fact that you have a legitimate relationship with Christ. It's not either or. And so there's some people that want to say, you know what, Jesus has died for me and he's put, you know, he's, I mean, I totally believe that stuff. And so, you know, he's cool with my sin and they live in sin as if it doesn't matter. And it does matter. That is an anathema. That is a contradiction that is offensive to God. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that we can glorify him by just sinning with thinking there's no consequences. That is not what grace is about. Grace is not. A free pass to do whatever you want. Grace empowers us with undeserved forgiveness and undeserved power to live a life we couldn't live apart from Christ. That's the heart and the, the, the power of grace. And so two truths and then the three arguments he says here. Um, three warnings about sin. The Christian who abides in Jesus does not sin. We're in chapter 3 now. Verse 6 and verse 18 we'll look at in a moment. Uh, the Christian who... The Christian who abides in Jesus doesn't sin. You see, you're telling me that a person who's in Christ is never, ever going to sin again. No, that's not what I'm telling It does. They don't continuously... They don't continue in unrepentant sin is what I'm telling. We'll qualify that a little more deeper in the next couple thoughts. Secondly, another argument John gives in this letter to challenge the lies of the Gnostics, those born of God do not make a practice of sinning. So to clarify more, he says in chapter 3, verse 6, they don't sin. Then he clarifies it, chapter 3, verse 9, let me just, uh, they, they don't make the practice of sinning. In other words, they don't have a settled habit of sinning. They're not habitual sinners. They don't just habitually sin. Thirdly, those born of God are not able to sin habitually. So they don't have a practice. They don't have a settled habit of sinning. But they also, they don't just keep on sinning. They don't just rest in the fact that, man, it's just, yeah, it's what I do. It's who I am. But nor do they just continue it. Uh, that, that, that is a uh, contradiction. And so, verse 9, chapter 3, gives kind of two different elements of that. Um, the last thing I want to highlight for you as a um, precursor to, again, this is overview, kind of catching us up on. Here's the themes that we're seeing he, of evidences of being born again. Here's what he says in verse, chapter 3, verse 9. person who's been born again, they don't continuously sin, they practice righteousness, they love their brother. Or sister in Christ. They love the brethren, other believers. Okay, that, that's going to become clear. We're going to spend some more time on that this morning uh, in this passage. And then, then fourthly, they believe that Jesus is the Christ. They have a right belief and confession of Christ. And so those are four of the evidences that he gives. So if you say, I, I don't know, I want to know, how do I help other people know that they know, that they know Jesus? This is 
some hopefully some information. You're helping us. I'm hoping that you'll see in this passage or in these verses we've been looking at in first John um, chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, all of this, these evidences that help us know that we know Christ and help other people know that they know Christ and help our children know that they know Christ. Thank you.